Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Babe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and I am joined here once again by the rest of the K-Babe crew. Joining me first, Mr. Wex, breaking the loss, and the king of the K-Babe kickflip. How are we living today, man? Living pretty good on this Thursday afternoon. Uh, not a lot of traffic on the way home. Got a nice little shot of tequila, got a little smoke in before we get on this podcast. Feeling good, feeling ready. How about y'all? I am better than I deserve, if, uh, if I want to use a cliche right off the bat there. Um, and of course, uh, joining us once again, uh, the patron saint of the rock block, Mr. Jesse Baker. How you doing, bud? Oh, man, I'm doing just fine. Excited for uh, excited for today's show. A little, little audible going on yeah. here, but I'm super stoked about it. I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. Yeah, let's just cover it right up front. Uh, Baker's dozen is, uh, just had to be shuffled around people, you know, life happens, um, things happen in life. And so, uh, schedules didn't quite line up. So we are calling an audible and today's show I'm actually, dude, honestly, I don't think that it's ever happened where we've had to replace a show with something else and that'd be like significantly better, but I'm super hyped for this. Uh, I just kind of came off the dome. Shout out to Wex breaking the Lawson for coming up with this idea, but this is going to be a list episode that we haven't done in a long, long time. It's our top 10 WWE or WWF theme songs of all time. I am super, super hype about this. Wex, where did that, was that just like bouncing in your dome? How did you come up with this golden gravy of goodness? I mean, I always got a little backlog of ideas and, you know, little things going on in the back of my head and I actually have a true list on the phone, but this is always uh, kind of something that I, be, I thought it'd be fun to talk about. I mean, I was kind of more thinking just theme songs period, but you narrowed it down to WWE just makes it a lot easier because Fuck! I mean, so many different wrestling promotions over the yeah. years and the themes. Oh, well, that, this way we can milk it for a few more episodes. We yeah, we could do a non WWE one. one. Yeah, a yeah, WCW one. TNA, A Dub. Hey, there we go. Indies, we just indies in general. Yeah, uh, and that goes that goes into just pure regular music territory because indies people just use right. what the fuck they want. So right, right. But then we got to talk. I mean, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to the subject. But a lot of it has to do with the crowd, the vibe of the crowd, as well as the music itself. It's like 50-50. Oh, yeah. um, Jesse, how you feeling about doing a list, man? Like theme songs, music, it's like right up our right up our alley. Absolutely, man. I'm all about it. it one of the biggest parts of pro wrestling in general, the theme music. I mean, what would it be without the pomp and circumstance of the entry and the entire just getting the crowd hype as fuck for the contest they're about to witness? I am super stoked. Agreed, man. Agreed. I am super hyped about it. Last week, we got to go back in time to 2002. We did the Backlash versus Backlash. Um, and you know what, dude, like, you know, we said, we said it, um, last week, but I'm gonna say it again. WWE is getting better. Like it is getting better. Like it, it was now granted, like it was at the bottom, bottom of the barrel to me, like the absolute worst shit they'd ever done ever in the history of Vince McMahon jr. Essentially running it. I yeah. Think we were on new generation levels for a little bit. Oh, worse, worse than new generation. In my opinion, worse than new generation. Just not, just not good. Not good booking, bad mistakes. It was what it was. Pandemic didn't help, but um, it's not really an excuse. I feel like, oh uh, man. So I'm, I'm excited to say that it was awesome. And O2s was really good. And I think, didn't we actually give it to the new one though? I think we, we gave it to the new one. I think like, we but, did. Cause I mean, they, uh, I mean, cause it was short and sweet. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, these well new premium live events without like the pre-show and they just kind of get to the meat and potatoes, you know, I'm, I'm kind of yeah. digging that vibe. Yeah. Back to just like a two and a half to three hour long show to like five, six matches. That's the way it should be. It's the way God intended. Like those takeovers were those fucking old NXT takeovers were perfect. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Jesse, did you get a chance to check out last week's episode? 
I did. And, uh, you know, for the most part, I agree. The one reason that I couldn't possibly have given it to the new show is that main event, man. I just felt like that was weak as weak gets. I did not enjoy the main event of the new show. But um, six man was uh, it was a little short. I I mean, I get what you're trying to do, though. It's not, you know, it's backlash. It's not a main show. Yeah. Uh, I feel like unification of the tag titles would have been cooler. I agree. Yeah. Way cooler. I I agree. agree. I fully agree. Um, but you know what? That's going to bring us to my favorite segment of the show. It's Wexley spills the tea. I, I've still, I'm still been on this like Sobe kick, you know, remember Sobe like back in the day? I feel like no one. Oh yeah. Like, I remember Sobe. Uh, I used to buy it at, uh, the rocket town cafe from the skate park. I remember. Yeah. It's like every time I say tea, it just like makes me think of Sobe. But what do you got for me, Wax? What do we got? What's oh, I do? mean, uh, I had a fresh fat Arnold Palmer right before we recorded this, but Ooh. we're going to go ahead and start off with the latest breaking news coming from WWE. It was just announced a few hours ago. Stephanie McMahon is taking a leave of absence from the company. Ooh. To be with her family for an undisclosed amount of time. I mean, good for her, man. I think that, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw a couple um, weeks ago. It might have been over, over a month ago now where Triple H did that uh, interview with Stephen A. Smith. And, like, the real emotion there. I think that, like, maybe something like that happening um, kind of gives you, like, a more uh, like a mortality check. You know, because it's like, I don't think Stephanie McMahon's really had that. I mean, Vince is Vince. And... He's worked hard every day and he's never, you know what I mean? Like he's no days off and he seems invincible and we feel like, like he's just going to live forever. So I feel like this one event with, with triple H probably put a lot of things into focus for both of them. Um, and I mean, good for them. I think that spending time with their family is something, I mean, you're never going to get the time back for sure. I mean, your kids are only going to be six once or seven once or, you know, 11 one time. So yeah, you know what? Hats off to her. Jesse, what do you think? And I think that at the end of the day, I believe most of what she was doing was sort of outreach for the time being anyway this last little while. So I mean, it's not as though she was involved on the day to day. It kind of makes sense of all times that now would be a good time to kind of take a step back, take some time for the family. Obviously, they've kind of placed a new regime of sorts in terms of people running it. Like we were talking about, you know, Pritchard, Doot, 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 and, you know, Sean down there. And all his boys. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those deals where it's time to see – how that engine runs with those guys behind the train and just kind of take evaluation of that. You know what I mean? And I know it'll probably fuel speculation of sale rumors, which I still don't buy, but it does give them a little bit more of an accurate perspective. I think of what they need to tweak and what they need to fix to move the company forward. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's cool to see her like get some time off with her family. Cause she's been kind of in the spotlight since the, the fake triple H marriage. Yeah. So uh, I remember that, too, going through the drive-thru, and he goes, I do. Like, yeah. <laughs> classic. I mean, I mean, how do you can you think, forget Here's that? the real question. Let's say it's eight months, ten months, a year, even, whatever. Let, let, let's say it's Royal Rumble, and we hear that music pop up. What's the pop like? Is there one? Oh, uh, yes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Massive pop, dude. Man, especially if she just works the rumble and that's it. Like, yeah, I, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. I would love to see that. I, I mean, anytime we get a chance to watch, I feel like she, last time she wrestled was like 2015 or 2016. And it was like randomly and it was against Nikki Bella or no, it was against. Yeah, it was Nikki oh, Bella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was really good. Like yeah, I was like a match. It was a really good match. Like I defy anyone. If you're listening right now, just Google like Stephanie McMahon's last match. And I'm pretty sure it was four or five years ago, but watch it. It was really good. So yes, if I get, if I could get a chance to see her in the Royal Rumble, I would love to see it. Yeah. 
That'd be pretty sick. So I'm going to go ahead and jump into the juiciest of the juicy of WWE news since we're on that tip right now. Please do. Everyone knows a long story short, Sasha Banks and Naomi walked out at Monday Night Raw over creative issues, turned in their belts, gave them to Johnny Ace. And since then, there's been so many conflicting reports on actually what really happened. But regardless of the details, they come out. But so they walked out. So what do you guys think? Without, uh, you know, without the true details, just on like, you know, uh, a base level looking at it right here. Like, what do you think's going on? Go what ahead, do you think Jesse. about the whole situation? I feel like it's one of those situations where, you know, Naomi really doesn't have much to lose. Whereas I would think the perception would be that Sasha Banks does. But you also have to look at how they were presented at WrestleMania. Sasha Banks was presented like a bona fide fucking star at WrestleMania, despite the nature of being in a multi-tag women's championship match. Like, yeah. I, the match also, to be honest, for a popcorn match was not bad. And no, not at all. I think a lot of the work that they were putting in and the reason the straps were put on them in the first place is because they're two of the more captivating talent that are currently on the roster without yeah. having to even do much, even though Sasha can. Right. I, I just – I don't the, – the, the dude in me wants to say it's a work. But at the same time, I don't see why they would work Naomi leaving. I don't think anybody gives a shit about Naomi walking out, quite frankly. And I don't mean that as a slight to Naomi. I just don't think that that would have made headlines. It's all about Sasha right now. Yeah, so, I mean, I think I think the work part of it could be the you know the maybe possibly just put her in putting her in the bloodline and putting her on you know SmackDown with the the rest of the boys. But I, see I don't I don't see the value in that to be honest with you. It's like I feel like the only people that are going to care about that are Marks. Like no one in the actual audience is going to care that the bloodline now all of a sudden has Naomi out with him because that's all it would be. It's like between Heyman and Roman, the Usos barely get a chance to talk on the mic. How is how would it even help her to be in the bloodline? Like, I just don't I just don't. It makes no sense creatively. I get that they're like because in real life, their family, it makes sense. But it's like, I don't know. I don't believe it. I don't think it's a work. Um, I, I mean, I have mixed feelings about it. To me, it's like. I don't know. To me, it's like people are like, well, you know, maybe maybe this will teach Vince a lesson to write better. It's like for what, though? Like this is like at the end of the day, it's still his company, man. Like it's whatever he wants to do. If he wants you to go out there and cluck like a chicken and fart on each other's faces, then that's what you should do for for your job. I mean, like not as though we haven't seen that. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And it's like, look, if if you don't want to do that and you want to stand up for yourself and you feel like you've invested so much time into your character then walk. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't really feel like there has to be a bad guy here. If that makes sense. Like, yeah. I, like, I don't think that, I don't think they should, I don't think the WWE should have necessarily catered to their demands. And then maybe they should have just said like, change your attitude or whatever. Cause I know we've seen that narrative out there. Um, and it's like, okay, I don't have any problem with them saying that they're writing the checks. It's, it is a scripted, it's a television show. It's a television yeah. show. So I have no problem with them being like, no, you're going to do what we want you to do. But then at the same time, they're like, you know what? Nope. It represents more than just a, a role. It's a character that I'm going to carry with me for the rest of my life. So I have to protect it at some point. I get I get both sides and I genuinely don't think anyone is necessarily wrong here. One thing that I read was that they had legitimate concerns and gripe about two of the members of, of the match, like physically not wanting to be in the ring with them and that See, that wasn't catered to or adhered to. I heard that that was actually that that part that came out you're talking about like was just some bullshit because they apparently I heard that they wanted to work a tag team title program with them or something instead. And Uh, that was the whole thing is that 
and they even I think both of them someone came out and said like no they've never had a problem with working with either of those two people and I think the fact that it's getting so much like extra scrutiny and coverage from WWE is because Sasha has like has done this before where she wasn't happy with her creative and just said fuck this and kind of walked off but just like yeah. you said Daniel I mean if you want to stand up for yourself if it, you don't have to do it I mean sure like fuck it like do what you want to do plenty of other wrestlers over the years and the first one that they uh the first one I can remember them publicly criticizing is Stone Cold when he walked out in like 03. They're like, he took his bag and went home just like they did. They tried to bury them on commentary about it, which I get it's your company. You have the right to do that, but it is kind of lame. And But you several know. guys in the – I mean like that was just because of our generation. Like in the 80s, that would happen all the time. Dude, look at like, Jeff fucking – All Jeff. the time. He did it twice. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean just like – I just don't – I don't think – I think they're just getting more scrutiny just because – I don't know. Sasha has that history, and like you said, it's more of a Sasha Banks thing than a Naomi. Like I don't think. Yeah. Oh. Like for Naomi sure. has so much like, like you said, family up in higher positions in WWE. I think she's gonna be fine. And honestly, Sasha Banks doesn't need WWE at this point. No. I think she's a big enough star on her own. She can go act, go wrestle oh, for yeah. any other promotion all over the world. I mean, they're not gonna release her though. Yeah, of course they're Thanks. not, because like, they they understand her value. Yeah. So. We'll we'll see how this all shakes out. I mean, I support their decision to walk out if they're not happy with their. Just like a Jr. always says, cash and creative. Yeah. If cash or creative isn't right, then they're going to be unhappy, and I guess they're not unhappy with the fucking creative. So, let's just see how this shakes out. I want to see if you know maybe things improve or they'll get the boot or what happens. But anyways, I support their decision, but also support WWE's decision to be like, well, we're going to write our TV how the fuck we want to write it. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at with it. Well, what else right, we got so, on the docket, Wex? Uh, we're not going to go into the juiciest part next, so we'll just go into some kind of uh, disappointing news for WWE. The big Clash at the Castle pay-per-view, the big UK pay-per-view, is experiencing poor ticket sales. And apparently it's because the ticket prices are extremely high and the locals are just like, fuck this, it's too expensive, we can't afford it. So just not selling out like they thought That's it would. That's crazy. That's mind-blowing to me. Well, I you mean, know... It's always a better business strategy to start high and work down than it is to go the other way around because you can't go the other way around. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I mean, they were uh, for one seating at Mania at some point. Like, it's not, you know, I think at this point in time, they're still trying to grasp, like, what is our exact control fiscally over the live market? Right. It's a hard thing to know right now because it's been yeah. so long. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, totally agree. I mean, you got you at least got a Kate. Like, the common fan is most likely in like the lower class not you know not to talk shit or anything like we know just like the poor people like wrestling so you need to be able to cater to the poor people i mean i i was yeah. a poor people and i'm still sort of a poor people but you know i can afford a little bit of a wrestling ticket here or there yeah i mean i totally understand that too but i mean if it's egregious it's egregious and that's on them but i do agree with kind of jesse it's like i mean you got you got a little time you know you got a little time anyway so you might as well just start high and come down if you can Especially if you need to make that money. Um, I don't think they do, though, which is a little weird. Um, but, I mean, it, that show's going to happen. And it's going to happen in the UK, whether it's at that venue or not. It's going to happen because that's what Vince wants to happen. So that's what will happen. Um, but yeah, I'm sure honestly, the production other, value match, yeah. it's going to end up being a good show. So, I mean, it'll, it'll probably all work yeah. out for them in the right. end. They always say, too, that the highest price tickets usually are the ones that go first, and then the lowest price tickets are second, and the middle-tier tickets are always last. So yeah. I would be I'd be curious to know how many of the higher-dollar tickets have gone when we're talking about poor sales, because if those are gone, 
then nobody gives a fuck. Yeah. Yeah, because you pretty much make your money back on those, like, floor seats. Yeah. Yeah, when you get your fucking exclusive special folding chair with the graphic on it, which I've always wanted one of those. I've never been able to afford to sit in one of those seats, but it'd be Guess pretty fucking cool to get one of those. Guess what I have? You have one? I have the last ever paper WWF pay-per-view one, the, the Judgment Day in Nashville. That was Judgment Day 2002? I'm, I have it. That's coming up soon yeah. on the docket, I think, maybe, possibly. No, we've already skipped it because we, we – I. Oh, we, yeah. We, we had to skip it because me and uh, the Cage Cast had already done it. Then, like our oh, first okay. Because we were there, we were both there at the same time too. Yeah, I have a friend who had a disposable camera, and he literally took all twenty-four pictures for Stone Cold's entrance. Wow. He just went. He just. I mean, it was Stone Cold. <laughs> I mean, what can you say? Sometimes you uh, just gotta shoot your wide, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's uh let's keep the news moving. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and uh kind of. Travel into the Impact Indie territory, and for indie news, one of the biggest fucking stories this week. Everyone uh, saw the video, I'm sure. Uh, the fan headbutting Joe Black and him just fanning him up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was just being, you know, doing heel shit, walking through the crowd. He popped the, you know, flipped the guy's hat off. Which, how many times have you seen that at an indie show? Like, yeah. Countless. I mean, that's a, that's a classic heel move. And this big dumbass motherfucker tries to headbutt a dude that looks like he's made of pure fucking muscle, and he gets fanned. Yeah, it gets fanned multiple times, and I'm honestly surprised like the locker room didn't clear out and whoop this motherfucker's ass. Because if this would have been like, I don't know, just like ten years ago, like they would have had everyone had a no shame and whoop. Five his years ass. ago, five. I mean, just with social media, people just don't want to go as hard. But I mean, Joe Black did not care. He fanned him up. He didn't knock him out, but the dude was very unsteady on his feet. He definitely got definitely caught I mean, a few to dummies. Be fair, to, to be fair to the idiot, I mean, he got some clean shots in, too. That headbutt was pretty stiff, to be oh, honest. The headbutt was great, but, I mean, that did not help his cause. No, I it didn't help his cause, although, like, I mean, so, okay, so here's the thing. Uh, comicbook.com reported this, too, and so that's more of, like, a, uh, more of a mainstream vibe than a, as opposed to, like, a dirt sheet, and yeah. it is, like, in that article, the description of the article, it's, like, it does say that, like, you know, Black put his hands on him first. And it's like if if there is a lawsuit or something, that guy might win. I mean, and that well, that, that's bullshit. That Don't could come be to a, a fucking set, wrestling show if you can't take saying, a heel. I punch agree. In your hat. I agree. But it's an un, that's an unspoken rule. You know what I'm saying? Like in the law of the United States, if I put my hands on you, you you can retaliate against me in self defense. Like, yeah. so and knowing modern day fucking assholes, he probably is gonna sue him. Yeah. Like I mean. Who does that at a re- – like, dude, this guy shouldn't be fucking allowed at wrestling shows after this. I mean, who I agree. does oh, – who's I... a wrestler? Like, if you didn't act like, you started that shit. Back in the day, you would have took your ass whooping, went home, and probably came back to the next show next week and not started shit. Yeah. No, I agree. Maybe even brought your gear. Yeah. I mean, honestly, they, they should have did him like that dude that ran up on Dave Chappelle. He should have got stomped out real quick, dipped out the back, but the boys didn't step up. I don't know. Look like – uh. A dude, he goes by Logan Cruel now, which he used to go by another name, uh, who no-showed a few shows that uh, me and Jesse were working. Uh, Logan Creed, Logan I want to say his yeah. name is. Looks like he was holding Joe, holding Joe Black back, which kind of pissed me off. And he already has a shitty reputation with me by being a hoe and uh, skipping out on local shows. So. He's Fuck you, buddy. a hoe. Fuck you, buddy. You're you don't hold the don't hold Logan Creed. You don't He's hold a, it out. Logan Creed, yeah. Use a hoe, Logan Creed. Use a hoe. Use a hoe. Uh, and you know who's not a hoe? 
former WWE Tag Team Champions Authors of Pain, and they just started a new promotion called World Entertainment Series, and it actually looks pretty fucking cool. And they also got themselves a new name and their old manager back. They got Paul Ellering, and they are now called the Legion of Pain. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And their new promotion looks pretty sick. It has a lot of like former WWE and big names such as uh, like Biff Busick, Mojo Raleigh, Lana and Nia Jax are actually going to be fighting for the women's championship, which is hilarious. Kalisto, Fandango, uh, Braun Strowman, he's going to be in the main event for the heavyweight title against some former UFC fighter. Alistair Overeem, dude. And I just yeah. some former like dude Alistair Overeem's like to me that's that that's that's a I mean that's a ma- he was a massive name just like is he is he from the UK? Uh, I'm not sure exactly where the show's from. in the UK because that, that would make sense because they're trying to like big promote it. I mean honestly, it's pretty sick and they got Jonathan Coachman and Aiden English on commentary. Nice. Like, I can get behind this. That seems game. like a pretty cool promotion. Wait, this show's in the like, UK. Yeah, it's gonna be like a UK. Oh, thing. dude. And, or I don't like, know if just the show is going to be UK or if that's just going to be the one off. But, dude, it's like the op. It's like what control your narrative wanted to be like this other cool little promotion. But this is like looks like they're actually going in the right direction. That's like the opposite of what CYM was trying to do. If if WES can to end up being the AEW of the UK, that will be awesome. And I feel like that that would be a good niche. Like all, that's all you'd have to do. Just do it in a different country. Like, yeah. I mean, because right now, because right now when I hear like like Freddie Prince Jr. is going to start a promotion, it's like. There's too many. All right, now there's too many. Like there's too there's in too America, many. I can't, yeah, I literally UK, can't that's up. a perfect market because even if it's something perfect. that I can't get it's on perfect. weekly TV, I would still go and try to check the matches out. And WWE somehow, some way, is still running NXT UK over there. It still has a weekly show. So like to me, it's almost like you can go over there, start running, and then all of a sudden, for, especially from the UK perspective, you put then whenever NXT UK dies, which it has to at some point. I mean, Jesus, yeah. it's just, so whenever that dies. Then it's like, oh, well, lots of talent that company now WWE is not even here anymore. You know, like that's smart. That's really good business. We need to keep our eye on that. That's going to be awesome. We should try to watch that show if we can. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it, especially Coachman and Aiden Aiden English now going by his real name, Matthew Reinwald. When is that show? Do you you have that in your notes? Sorry. I don't have the exact date down here, but it's coming up soon. And they have some cool little check out Twitter. They have like little promos like accept the invitation and like lots of lots of cool people are on board with this thing. It's literally, like I said, it's the opposite. It's like what Control Your Narrative wanted to do, but I'm already more excited for this, and they haven't even had a show yet. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited about it. Well, I mean, for obvious other reasons, but yeah. Man, so uh, this week in AEW, this week's episode of Dynamite was another banger. The ratings went up. They got at least like 100,000 more viewers than they had last week, and we got a little one-off. It wasn't an official signing, but Johnny... Mundo, a.k.a. John Morrison, who debuted as Johnny Elite, had a match against Samoa Joe in the Owen Hart tournament, and it was pretty cool. I mean, yeah. there's a few little botches here and there, but that, he's all, you know, his style, he's going to have a few little here and there, but it was pretty fucking sick and pretty cool to see him as a little one-off. Yeah, I mean, I, I was excited to see it. I haven't had a chance to actually watch the show yet because we record this on a Thursday, and so, like, it just happened yesterday, and I just – I've worked today, and I haven't sent, been able to check it out. But I am excited to see it. I have heard – I've seen all the spoilers on the internet, and it does look awesome. Um, I saw a few little clips. I'm excited to see it. I really hope he does end up signing. I think he's a good guy that would fit there. They'd find a way to keep him in the loop without making him uh, oversaturated. And he would also be able to keep doing his indie spots that he, I know he wants to keep doing. I think AEW is a good and spot. And Mexico, and he works at yeah, AAA, and exactly. they have that relationship anyways. Yeah, exactly. 
Makes a lot of sense to me. Also, when Omega comes back, I could see that being a pretty decent program that didn't have to involve a title. Agreed. Wow. That would be that could that could be a banger or two. Agreed. Agreed. Oh. I mean, I know I don't know I don't know if you guys have seen the uh, update on Omega, but it does look like there's not a return in sight, um, like that at all. Like I don't think that the, he's in a rush. Like he's still healing from surgeries, but according to people closest to him or whatever. Um, he's not in any rush. He, he, he's been at, uh, a few rampage and dynamite tapings lately producing yeah, I heard some he's of the been, women's like, matches, some of the women's matches. Yeah. yeah. But he's like, there are no plans in like on the books for him right now. And Dude, I don't he, think he, he deserves he, a break. He's, I agree. God I agree. damn. I agree. Honestly, I, I, I don't, I, I say, take, I say, take the year off and come back at, at their, ne- at their next massive pay-per-view next year. You know, like, I think that's, that, that would be, that would be the smartest I mean, come back at all out. I think that's your best bet, but that's just me. Well, well, speaking of taking breaks, somebody who's been off TV for a long time in AEW, the reason has finally been revealed. Miro, who we haven't seen since he had that uh, hamstring injury, turns out he's been filming a TV show that debuted uh, just yesterday on CBS called East New York, and he's playing some like Russian or Eastern European guy, but that's what he's been doing. So we think that AEW, like, People have been like, oh, they kept it. They're keeping him off TV. Nah, he's he's actually out there working, doing some other shit, and he's out of the country right now. And I guess since the show is premiered, that uh, he'll probably be making his way back soon. But hey, maybe he'll appear at the WES show with his wife. You never know. That's that coming makes- up, and he's out of the country. That could be also, possible. That show uh, is on June fourth. Apparently, is their debut. June fourth. Okay, which is not very far away. Like two to three weeks. Coming up. So maybe yeah. he'll uh, hang out there until after that show, then make his way back to TV. I don't care if he does or not. I don't. I mean, I I feel like, I feel like at what point are we gonna say with Miro like, oh, it's the potential, it's the potential, it's the potential. It's like the guy has pretty good matches, but he doesn't really have memorable storylines, man. He's just not Except a very for John good Cena in the Tank. I mean, honestly, and this might ruffle some feathers too, but to me, it's Keith Lee again. Like that's why I think this whole Keith Lee swerve thing works for him because I don't think that dude can. I, he can't talk. He can't carry a storyline. He's a great wrestler. I think he can he's, talk great, but they just haven't had any great storylines. I love his cadence, and I love the way he delivers promos, but I agree. Him and Swerve as a tag team going to be sick. The triple I like threat that. set up for double or nothing with them and Team Taz and Jurassic Express. For my money, I don't think he's a good promo. I think Swerve's a great promo. I do think Keith Lee's a good wrestler, uh, but it's like – I don't know. People talk about Keith Lee like he needs to be the world champion, and that – I don't like I personally don't ever see him as a world champion ever. Um, and same thing with Miro. I just like they're they're good for what they are. But I feel like there's a ceiling on both of them. And they just don't they don't I don't think they have that kind of connection um, all the way around. Like, I mean, I, I guess Keith Lee does have more of a connection with the fans than Miro does. But I just don't think he can really carry a story really well. Again, I think he's a great wrestler bell to bell. Uh, but I just don't think it's enough. I, I, we, we all got our own opinions on it. How do you feel about that, Jesse? I mean, I think Keith Lee, I agree with the cadence thing. I do enjoy the way that he speaks. I just don't know that it tra- it's it's a one-note situation. He doesn't change how he addresses anyone or anything in any given scenario. And really, neither does Miro, if you think about it. I mean, even I, – like, I was enjoying the stuff they did with the Redeemer situation. I liked those promos a lot, but it wasn't a storyline. That was just a way to present that character in a different fashion, and it worked for a month. But I think that's all it had in it. Same thing as Lance Archer to me. Same thing. 
Yeah, he approaches it's every single fit. challenge the same way. There's it's no hard. difference. I, I I understand the Lance Archer thing. Like I feel like he's that dude who is like only ever gonna be upper mid card. Like he's not quite like world champion material. Nope. And he's been around for a long fucking time. And it, it don't you understand? I mean, it makes sense why he has not had a world title this whole fucking run because he's yep. just he's good though. He's a good character, good wrestler, but. He's better off at being a tag team with Davy Boy with Davy Boy Smith Jr. I said Davy, British Bulldog Jr. Killer Elite Squad. That's what he needs to go back to. That's his best shit, to be honest. Oh, I would I would agree with that for sure. I would love to see them reunite in AEW or New Japan or Impact or any fucking promotion because why not? Yeah, and he's, just taking, up, he's just taking up AEW TV time right now. Doug so. Williams is too old. The Commonwealth Connection ain't working. Let's get the Killer Elite Squad back together. Maybe some Minoru Suzuki in there too, some Suzuki Goon. I love to see something like that. Uh, have Have you noticed uh, how hard MJF has been shooting lately outside of AEW? It's a work, and that's yes. the thing. That's what I was going to ask you guys. I think it's a fucking work because he's just such a good fucking character and a good heel. And then it's dude, he's so good. Like anybody who thinks it's like, oh, he's so dude. MJF is a fucking genius. I mean, it's the psychology of capitalizing on Cody, making the jump that no one thought Cody would make at the end of the day that, that introduced this idea in everybody's head. And now everyone, you know, MJF teased the bidding war thing before. And everybody's like, ah, you know, whatever, that's just storyline shit. But now everybody's taking it seriously because we've seen it happen with a higher performer from AEW. I mean, it's smart. He knows how to fucking milk the right shit, push the right buttons. He's fucking Yeah, I mean, I think it's – and to me too, it's like, listen, especially for AEW, like for AEW super fans, what is the worst thing on earth to them? WWE marks, right? WWE in general. Oh, totally, yeah. So the best thing that you can do to get the more heat is just talk and talk and talk about them as much as you possibly can. I mean and it's – I mean, while you're openly feuding with a fucking WWE guy for the last several m- weeks, months, yeah. whatever, like you know him and CM Punk and that whole deal, it n- engenders itself naturally to this. Yeah, yeah. And not, so, o- yeah, not only that too, like I mean I, I – like I, I think it's a work, but I will say this. I think it's a work. I think MJF is in AEW for a very long time as long as they st- stay growing. If something changes and then because he's still under contract for like three more years. So like if something changes and more people start going back to WWE and more, more, more positive vibes start shifting in that, in that direction. And if tragically, you know, AEW becomes what TNA was, um, then maybe he does leave in three years. But I would assume if things stay on track, if AEW continues to be popular, I think MJF will stay for another another contract. But I will say that MJF will wrestle in the WWE before his career is over. No doubt about it. I kind of agree with everything you said, mostly. Uh, and I think that he's going to be with AEW for a long time because my prediction, CM Punk's going to be Adam Cole for the world title. I think that's going to happen at double or nothing. And then MJF is going to beat CM Punk. It's for the world title and he'll be a world champ. I, I feel mean, like that's where they're going to go. You mean Adam what? Page? You mean no, Punk's I mean gonna... Punk's going to beat Page. Yeah. You said Adam Punk's Punk. going to be the champion yeah, for a while. And then like MJF that, yeah. is going to dethrone Punk. Okay. Because think I, about I it. Think, I think Cole gets it before, before MJF, but yeah. You think Cole gets it before MJF? Yeah, I mean, I know he's not in the in the in the picture now, but I think that that Punk is trying to play the heel right now, but it's really a babyface babyface match, 
And once Punk wins, they're going to hug and, and they're both going to stay baby faces and none of it's going to matter. So I don't think – I think Punk and Adam Cole is the money right there. I don't think that – I really don't think they're putting the title on MJF until it's nuclear. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think that because why? Like, he's so over as it is. Like, there's no re- like use your and belt. He hasn't, even had, the, another, he hasn't even had a TNT title run yet. That's what I'm saying. Like, why, yeah, oh yeah, he's definitely gonna have a TNT title before that. Like, he will yeah. win all. He'll he might even have a tag run with Sean Spears. I'm not sure, or maybe somebody else that they bring into Pinnacle. And he, it's he, already he, confirmed by Tony Khan they have trios titles made. They just haven't introduced them yet. That's so, so imagine like a whatever. little team with like him, Sean Spears, and like whatever third guy they add. Like that could just that could be heat Dude, and extra I stuff fucking, to build his character. I, I wouldn't have minded it so much prior to the ROH acquisition, but now we're getting into that WWE territory of you get a belt, you get a belt, you get a belt, and like yeah, especially I get what you're saying. Ring of Honor show, like yeah, but yeah. wait, yeah, wait until Ring of Ring of Honor. Fuck, wait till Ring of Honor gets like it's more of its own show. And then it won't be as bad. But right Why now, are we it's still kinda... doing dark and elevation. Like, who is like, who's addicted to just that show? Like, they even had a Ring of Honor Women's World Title defense on Dark this week. Yeah. So why don't you just make Dark Ring and a of pure Honor. title defense? Uh, Willer Yuta versus Josh Woods. Yeah, you are. That's what I'm saying. You already have this, and you already have this this regular thing that you do in Orlando, right? I mean, it's the same. It's the same area that that it's, isn't it the Impact Zone. Isn't that no, like it that's is the where impact the, zone? It is. Yeah. 100%. So it's like just and it's WCW just make Saturday that ring night. Of honor. Like it's that. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, it's not as though they couldn't find the fucking way to get a streaming deal that made sense to do just Ring of Honor. I mean, for fuck's sake, it's like there's yeah. every possibility in the world that they can do that and not even just have it be a YouTube show. I, I feel like it's on the I, way. I They're just waiting to introduce it. it. They, I'm sure they've been working on it. We just got to be a little patient. We'll see. We'll see. I hope so. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. All right. So. uh before we uh, wind down here on the news, I'm going to get to the juiciest story that I think is the juiciest story for many reasons. So it was announced recently that StarCast 5 is going to be happening here in Nashville, Tennessee, SummerSlam weekend. And also that weekend is the Build Ric Flair's final match. This is like his third retirement match. Not only that, it is a Jim Crockett Promotions show. Jim Crockett Promotions, and it's going to be a full show. Like It's not just going to be a Ric Flair match. They've already announced it's going to be a full stack card, main event, Ric Flair's last match. This motherfucker is 73 years old, and I'm going to go pay money to see him possibly die in the ring. Thousand percent. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, and it, the show itself is ticketed separately from StarCast, despite the fact that the JCP thing is all like Conrad and Jared and Bischoff yeah. and a bunch of people that, you know, they're the ones who bought the licensing for the old music. They built the stage like they had the renderings and stuff that are all JCP yeah. style. Like, it's going to be rad. Yeah. And honestly, SummerSlam weekend. I really don't even care to go to SummerSlam. I just want to go to StarCast and see Ric Flair. Yeah, I mean, to be like, honest, my, like I'll my watch. Plan, I, I'll be in Nashville. Clearly, I live here. Go party, have fun, like do like, all the shit. But and again, like over the past two weeks, I've been talking about how I think that, even, but not like I really like actually going to SummerSlam. Like, yeah, I mean, if I get no a way. ticket, yeah, uh, but no yeah, if I yeah, if I get a pass, Southern Underground Pro Eastside Bowl on Friday. By the way, exactly, yeah. dude. Yeah, like I'd rather. The st- if I, if like I get a pass, I'm going weekend, to SummerSlam. The stuff that comes with it is almost more fun than the actual show. Oh, a thousand! Like to me, yeah. listen, and we, we we love we love the sub guys, GCW. They're awesome. That's awesome. For me personally, as a fan, Starcast is the is what I will attend. I will yeah, go to Starcast. I'm going to go to Starcast. I'm going to be there anyway, I'll probably spend the extra money and go to the Ric Flair show. As far as SummerSlam goes, listen, I'm I'm liking where WWE is headed with the product. I'm sure it's going to be a killer show. But honestly, like. 
unless I'm getting passes and I'm going to sit essentially close to ringside, there's no way I'm going to go. I'm not going to be able to see any of it. I'm sure we're going to have to cover it on the show and there's no chance I'm going to that show sitting through it that long and then going back. I'm watching it again on, on like Peacock or whatever, just to cover it. 0% chance. I'd rather just go to Starcast, have a really good time and then watch SummerSlam on my couch and drink beer. A hundred percent, dude. A hundred percent. I'm sure we'll uh, see Mr. A hundred percent at Starcast, but a hundred percent, baby. I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited that it's in Nashville too. I think it's good for the city, and I think that like it's gonna it's gonna bring even more of a good shine to Nashville, which is great. It's always a good thing. Um, and I'm I'm excited to see what they do with the set, and I'm excited for SummerSlam. But I, there's, I mean, again, like unless I get a free ticket, which honestly it's fifty fifty that I might. But if I if I unless I get a free ticket, I'm not going. Yeah, but free tickets, you know how it goes, like. Titans games, random shit. The free tickets are always floating around here, there from somebody. Yeah. yeah. Especially somebody. for those of us who have lived here, if not all the vast majority of our life. Yeah, and Plus we all so, know I mean, somebody dude, so many that musicians. knows somebody that knows somebody. Yeah, there's so many musicians in the like the live prop world, like the the sound, the audio, like they, they, it's not all their guys that they like build the stage and shit. Like those are a lot of those, those people are subcontracted. So, I mean, yeah, I mean it's very likely that I will get a pass, but if I don't. Honestly, I, I would really rather just watch it on my couch. Yeah, oh, yeah and there's going to be that uh, NXT panel at StarCast 2 with Johnny Gargano. Like, there's lots of good stuff oh, going dude, on. dude, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, is, is StarCast two days, or is it just one day? Two days, I think. Three. Three? Yeah, I think it starts on Friday, if I'm not mistaken, and then there's uh, all the stuff on Saturday. I don't know what they'll do during the actual show, but there is stuff on Saturday. And then Sunday, there's stuff the day of leading up to the JCP show. Damn, and it's off the fairgrounds, which is fucking so much wrestling history. So good. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna. I mean, yeah, I wrestled there, so that's that means a lot to me. <laughs> I've watched people wrestle there many times. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. All right, well, well, looks like that is gonna be the end of our news. Before we get to the meat and potatoes of this top ten WWE wrestling theme songs list. All right, boys and girls, let's get right into it. It's the top ten themes of all time. And here we go. I am super hype about this, man. Music, obviously, in wrestling goes synonymous with me. Um, it's, I mean, all the way from being a kid and, like, being hype about the entrances. I think it's a, especially for WWE. And then, you know, as I got older and got into wrestling myself um, and then into music and touring myself, it's kind of crazy how many – uh, it's like rock and roll specifically, the lifestyle, um, the way bookings work, the self-promotion. Um, it's insane how similar they are. So I'm excited to talk about my top 10 theme songs of all time. How it makes the crowd feel. The, the if, Is it actually good music or not? Um, I'm stoked. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Jesse, what do you think, man? Man, I can't wait. This is a really great topic for all the reasons that you just stated. I'm also uh, in the music industry and have been for a long time. And the parallels are astounding. And it's also kind of the same thing as watching your, you know, one of your favorite bands play their bigger hit or whatever in an arena setting and watching everybody lose their minds. It's yeah, th- that that whole aesthetic, that whole thought process, that vibe, that electricity, all comes from the entrances in the music. So I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, man, and the uh, the brain trust here, Mr. Wex breaking the Lawson. How you feel about music and wrestling, and like the feeling, the synonymousness of it, dude? Kind of the same things that you were saying, but also kind of want to relate it to rap music and rappers, because rappers' personas and everything about it is just like pro wrestling. Like that's true. And the music combined with that energy, just like you said, like the feel, the way you connect with the crowd, like that song, a song can make or break you. Like oh, totally. 
just it relates to skateboarding. I've been skateboarding for fucking like 20 years. Skate videos. If the song's not good, it's it just don't doesn't connect with you. Doesn't hit right. It could be like great action, like great action in the ring, great wrestler, great skateboarding. But if the music doesn't hit right and doesn't go, you're just like you don't really feel it. But that the music just gives you that extra energy. You feel it deep down. You want to get hype. It gets you ready. And to break this down to just 10 songs, it was really tough. It is tough indeed. Let's just jump right into it here. And since you did come up with a topic, what is your number 10 greatest themes WWE theme song of all time, Wex? All right. Coming in at number 10 is a sort of a new one, and it's the Shinsuke Nakamura theme song, all right, The Rise okay. of the Sun. Yeah, and I'm mad about that. Even though his New Japan theme song was great, like I think this was a fucking perfect theme song for him and like the old school Nakamura before he, he got the Rick Boogs before he went heel when he would just do the strobe lights dancing and twitching coming out to the song the crowd NXT. just NXT dude, yeah, and it just yeah, yeah NXT Nakamura just the when that fucking song hit even that first match against Sami Zayn like that if if he didn't have a good theme coming out it wouldn't have been as hot like the, it, that just set the fucking tone and that I just love that song it used to be my ringtone Great fucking song, and it was very hard. Like it, it was very hard to make this list, and it came in, made the cut at number ten. Making the cut at number ten. Uh, for me, it's the first one that I can really remember, and it's that uh, you know when it comes crashing down, it hurts inside. It's uh, it's it's Hulk Hogan's Real American is my number ten. Hey. Um, it's like the first one that I really remember as like it's standing out and being a song that like. I don't know. I felt like other guys at the time were using like like the British Bulldogs would just use like that, you know, like the Union Jack, like generic like, themes that had no like personality. Yeah. yeah. And even like Macho Man and Ric Flair. But it's like to me, it was like Hulk Hogan had his own custom rock, like 80s rock song. And like, I don't know. It was just hey, I'm, like we I'm, said, I used it in, in 64 wrestling games all the time. It was yeah. Great- yeah. So for me, it's real American. Um, you know, I was born in 84, so I was definitely a Hulkamaniac baby, a macho madness baby. Um, and I, and I loved it. It's like, I I can just attach myself to it. I remember seeing uh, Hulk Hogan and mean Gene like drinking eggs and training. And like, it's just, it instantly takes me back to like the smell of like plastic, uh, army men, like on the floor with like shag carpet, (laughs) you know, and like Donald's Tennessee. Yeah. Legos. Yeah. That kind of shit. So it's definitely, the real American for me, uh, Jesse. You're number ten, greatest theme song of all time. Are you muted? You're muted. Look, you're muted somehow. Yep, I see the little line of the mic. Yeah. There we are. There we are. You're number well, ten. Where was it? Never was muted. Ever uh, coming in at number ten. I honestly thought this would rank higher. The Million Dollar Man theme song. Which ooh, ooh. everybody has a price. It's real smooth. That little like baseline pop going on in the middle of it. That whole deal. I don't know. There's so Ted DiBiase as the Million Dollar Man was never a babyface in the WWF, and there are not that many people who can say that. So every time that fucking maniacal laugh hits, and then you hear just that chorus going on behind it as they're coming down, it's a precursor in a way to another song that's on my list. And I, Oh, okay. I just felt I like it where was, you're going, Jesse. I felt like it was a very, uh, it's just heelish. The audience knows that they're supposed to boo this motherfucker. I don't know. I just always million dollar man. Definitely in my top 10 coming in at number 10. Wow. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Wex, you're number nine moving on up. 
coming in at number nine is also sort of a newer one that uh, I struggled for this one also making the cut, but he's not currently a WWE wrestler anymore. He was one of the unfortunate releases, but Tyler Breeze. He has one of my favorite fucking theme songs ever. It goes so good with his character. And at the time, like, and it's him singing it too, which any wrestler that sings their own theme song, it's, it's always great. It goes, just goes so well with their character. And I just, yeah, foreshadowing (laughs) clearly, but, uh, yeah, dude, it's such a great song. I mean, I know I agree. I'm not going to recite them to you right now, but I, it's one of those songs that I sing along with every time I hear it. It's great. It's a great song. It's actually like the lyric, like the lyrics are really funny. Like, and also like with the Zoolander character, it was just, it was perfect. It it fit the gimmick. Well, um, I mean, part man, but all model. Yeah. Just so good. Especially with that with the like robot, like synth chord, like it was, it was, it was a golden theme. Perfect for him. Absolutely. Perfect. I agree fully. Uh, my number nine is uh, this might be a little controversial. Okay, it might be a little controversial, but I think it's a legendary at this point. And it's not even so much that it was my personal favorite that I just I felt like I looked at my list of ten and it wasn't on there. And I was like, I got to put it on there because I don't think these guys will. And um, you know, the champ is here. It's uh, your time oh. is up. My time is now. John Cena is number nine. I feel like just because of the moments that that theme has had and the pops that he's gotten from his returns. Um, also just being John Cena. I mean, you, you got to give the devil his due. He's a legendary guy. Again, like it's not like n- totally not up my alley, but like hey, the pop culture significance to that song at yes. this point alone, massive, massive has to be in the top 10 for me. Barely makes the cut, but he definitely beats Hulk Hogan. So no, for me, it's yeah. John Cena. Uh, like you know, if you, I know you can't really see me right here, uh, Jesse, but, uh, it's your turn. So yeah. Yeah. Number nine, I, uh, man. This is going to be kind of a weird one and a little random, and it wasn't used as often as I wish it was, but the early to mid-90s Owen Hart theme, I absolutely super loved. The one that he had in, like, the Raw is War video game and, like, all Oh, that. yeah, with the synth, like, the little... Oh, yeah, that was a... It's a great oh, yeah, song. A well done. I well thought done. that was... I, that was one of those things that I always just thought was a banger, and at one point... I found an MP3 of it, and when on the old Xbox 360, when you could just upload your own songs and use yeah. Music, oh, yeah. I totally used that song. Oh, I love that. That's well, amazing. Jesse, I don't know. Have you heard his new AEW theme that's like going to be in the game? It's like a riff on that song. I actually, I actually have not heard that. No. Well, you should go check it out. It's like a, it's like a, it's of course, it's kind of like you know how they did their own version of the Adam Cole theme. They just did like a riff version of that song, and it's pretty cool. I think it's going to yeah. be sick to be in the game to play as Owen Hart. That'd be good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be. Uh, yeah. I know we didn't talk about. I know I don't want to get too far off this because I know we're not talking about the news, but apparently it's been hell on earth. And I don't know if you guys have seen like some of the YouTube stuff about the reveal and like it's a little bit of gameplay in there, but I don't think we're going to be seeing that game for a while, guys. I, hey. I, I like I think it's going to be like maybe hey. 2023 holiday, maybe like maybe hey, just like Miyamoto said, like. Just let the just let the game develop. You don't want to force a shitty game out. I just think that Ukes isn't the Ukes of old, and I think that they it was a bad choice. I think it was a bad choice. I know that Kenny Omega has been vocal about it. Um, I don't know. I was hopeful. I was really, and I'm still hopeful. I'm still hopeful. Just don't honestly. put out a half-ass game. Finish it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ukes is kind of saying that they're not going to add any more people to the roster, and it's like, how are you going to put this game out without Brian Danielson and CM Punk? And like, how's that? How is that going to work? Like. 
If that's the case, it's going to suck. I'm sorry. But if that is absolutely true, it's going to suck. All right. So what are we at now? Number eight? Number eight. All right. Number eight for me. Since uh, we're going that same rotation, I know this is probably going to be higher on your list, and it's probably definitely going to be on Jesse's list. Maybe yours too, but number eight for me is the all-time classic, Chris Jericho, Break the Walls Down. Definitely. And I can remember his debut. I watched it live on Raw like it was yesterday. I remember the countdown, them showing the countdown for weeks, and them finally showing up. And that song is just – it's so fucking good. Like I know everyone loves Judas, and it's fun to sing along, but it doesn't compare to Break the Fucking Walls Down. No, it doesn't. It WWF doesn't. Music Volume 4 was the first CD I ever bought, and that's on – this track is on that CD. So lots of tracks from that CD have a, a good place in my heart because, I mean, it's just yeah. one of the first ones I ever had. Playing with my Titantron set, walking them down with the ring, I, I was 100% in it hardcore. Yeah. No, I totally agree, and I think that this was a pivotal moment for WWE and the Monday Night Wars. I think it's like – it's hard to really – describe how influential that debut and that music was unless you were really there. Like you can watch the highlights, but like unless you lived in that Monday night war time and like really, like really remember watching those shows live on cable television, which sounds crazy now. Um, it, it, it was, I mean, yeah, having, having Jericho and that song is, I mean, that's like, the, Oh, by the way, it's our first chicken dinner because that was, that is my number eight. So we're no way. Yeah, yes, All right. Well, then so think you're leading into it. Fucking yeah, sick. Today was perfect. Um, I mean like not, not because I feel like the song, the reason why that song is perfect is because it lasts and it fits his character. Even after he changed, when he went through the best in the world at what he did, when he, you know, when he came back every other time, when he became with scarf Jericho and all that, like the list that, that song always fit every single character. That's hard to do in a song, especially for a, such a big personality like Chris Jericho definitely has to be in the top 10 for me. Number eight, Jesse, where are you at? Y'all ain't gonna believe this. What? Also, my number eight. No way. Absolutely. A three-way for Chris Jericho. All time, it still only ranks number eight, only because there's just so much other meat on the bone for the rest of this list. But absolutely, and for all the same reasons you guys said, it's a perfect precursor to somebody hitting the stage. It's a fucking fantastic song in general. Um, It's one of the first songs that I remember, kind of like. It's not the first, but it's among the first like three or four that I remember like knowing the words to. Baby, you know you're Judas and I'm your priest. Because I was like, oh, Judas Priest. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. Judas, a little foreshadowing there too. So, yeah. Very, a lot of fucking foreshadowing. Goddamn. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's well done. I mean, it's, 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 he's smart for that, I think, you know. All right. Well, let's keep it fucking rolling. We're at number seven now. And coming in yep. at number seven is actually another track from that exact same CD. And this is uh, an all-time fucking classic. Every time it comes on, you get the goosebumps, you get ready, and it's No Chance in Hell, Vince McMahon. Love it. Love it. Good That's, call. It's just the way it hits, like everything about it. It's a great fucking theme song, and it's timeless. It's classic. He's used it ever since. And every, I mean, even though everyone hates Vince McMahon, everyone loves Vince McMahon. It's a, it's a love-hate relationship, and I love hearing that song. Yeah. 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 I think it's, I think it's kind of transcended. Like, um, you know, it's great for him as a heel. It's great for him. when we just get to see him and we get the pop, he gets a baby face pop and he's just good old granddad Vince, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a timeless song. That's a good call. It's not on my list, but that's a good one. Um, my number seven, lucky number seven 
And I think for me, it was because of my greatest ever WrestleMania like live moment and having my experience that I had at that WrestleMania when, uh, and then not only that, but like having this song be able to transfer to AEW with them as well. It's gotta be the Hardy boys song that just oh. like, like that intro with just the drums and the guitar riff. And I mean, it's just, it's iconic. It fits. It's I, I, I think that that song helped to get them over. You know what I mean? I think that like that song, that entrance helped to get them over. Cause they had like generic wrestler number two, uh, theme song before, and they had been in the company for a while. I think that that song really kind of cemented them as like this alternative ish, you know, hot topic style, um, tag team at the time. And when that was like a really hot thing, uh, and it just, it works. It, it's like, it's nostalgia, but it still works, you know? Um, so it's the Hardy boys theme for me at lucky number seven, Jesse, where you at? So the song in of itself, uh, that I put at number seven has been used for three different superstars over the years, but most famously for one, it is entitled metal. And you probably know it best as the theme song for Mr. Kurt Angle. Yeah. And I, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that is a great one. Metal, not metal. I thought you were Correct. saying like heavy metal, but no metal. It's a, uh, it's a huge lead in and there's all the opportunities for the crowd chanting that we would see later, but also was used as the Patriots theme song for yes. a period of time. And very briefly, for the American fan return of Mr. Sergeant Slaughter, which yeah. I thought was kind of hilarious. But that song to me is just a really good, like, it's not a standard. It's not like it was public domain. It's just a well-composed American-sounding patriotic fucking theme song. Jim Johnson, dude. I agree. I agree. And I think that that song, that song to me was like one of my honorable mentions. Uh yeah. Just because of the crowd participation part of it and how it got, got so over, and I don't think I think no one else could have gotten it as over as Kurt Angle did. So oh, no. yeah, yeah, definitely hats off to that one. All right, so uh, we're coming in finally here at number six. Yeah, number six. And my number six is a specific version of one of the best theme songs of all time, The Rock. And I'm talking about the version where it's like, ha ha, the rock is laying the smack down when he's that has all those clips talking throughout it. And it's specifically the one that says, do you smell what the rock is cooking? Not yeah. the most popular. If you smell, it's the, do you smell what the rock is cooking? Still the same song, but he's just yeah. like, ha ha, the rocks laying the smack down and just all these little yeah. funny little sayings in between. It's my favorite version. It's not the WWF, the music volume four version, which is the most famous version, which he has a little thing in the end. He's like, I'll turn this CD, dust it off, turn it sideways and stick it straight up. You can do this. Yeah. But that version is the best. I think it's like the third or fourth version, but it has just so many little things in there and it just always takes me back. It's like that. It's that more late 97, early 98 rock, like tail end of nation of domination. My absolute wow. favorite. I fucking pop every time I hear it. Yeah, see, for me, okay, so th it's all, it's it's a winner, but it's not a chicken dinner because mine is The Rock as well it, right, right here, but mine was Hollywood Rock. Oh, Titan that's a good one too. That was that was, that, that was an alternate. Like, with the whisper, with the whisper in the beginning, and it's and then it's like the it's massive guitar solo. Like he's just – yeah, it's cooking. Yeah, and it's like the like the uh, the guitar sh dude when it gets to that chorus part and he like finally makes it to the ring. The guitar is just shredding, and I was like, when that when I remember when that happened and he, it was like his first comeback, and I was like, it was like, I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about it because I was like the the whole Titantron package with it and just the shredded guitar and that like leather pants with the leather jacket and or leather vest and no shirt and just like 
the sunglasses, the dude. Yeah. Fucking earth. Like yeah, <laughs> Hollywood rock, bro. I mean, he was doing his best Hollywood Hogan and it was perfect. It was better than Hollywood Hogan, in my opinion. It was so good. He actually went to Hollywood. I mean, I guess Hogan went to Hollywood too, but the rock was successful in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. No Mr. Well, Nanny's here. No suburban commander. I mean, at that yeah. point he wasn't quite successful. I mean, He's still green, but I mean, overall. Hogan was, uh, uh, listen, Hogan was successful. There, there's, I mean, there's no way around that. Like, I mean, he we was successful. This high noon mega mountain. Bro, that's peak of it. That's his peak best performance. It. Absolutely. 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 No, no doubt about it. I mean, Suburban Commando was kind of, was kind of up there. It's a cult classic, honestly. But, you see um, Suburban Commando 2 starring Mr. Bill Goldberg? Oh, yeah. I mean, no, but I saw Universal Soldier with Bill Goldberg. Oh, I think that's what I'm thinking about, actually. Yeah, that is. <laughs> Those are two completely different movies. <laughs> one's a fucking like comedy and one's like dead fucking serious. Yeah. That's oh, great. That's good. That's good. <laughs> it, it tried to be. They did try to be serious. Um, oh, I guess as serious as, as you can be with that kind of topic. Um, what's your number six, Jesse? Man, big swerve from uh, you guys. The number six for me, Shattered Dreams, baby. Fucking gold dust. Ooh, that is a good one. That is one a of my good. favorite cut, but very good. Almost actually time. forgot about that. God damn. It's such a great song, and I remember on – I think it was the first volume of WWF, the music. I remember that standing out. I was in a little like backyard fed, and that was the one I was like, I'm using that. And everybody's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, just listen to the song, dickhead. And yeah. <laughs> one of those things are like, man, that is – that's a jam. But yeah, it's pop. It's funny too because once they actually finally acquiesced and changed up Roman Reigns, I still maintain his new theme reminds me a great deal of this song. Oh yeah, oh, I would the agree. Same like melodic, like yeah. Mel- yeah, I agree. I would agree. That's a good call though. It's deep cut. I like it, and it, it represented like such uh, a pivotal character at a pivotal time in the company too. So yeah, absolutely, I agree. Breaking into the top five now, Lex. We breaking. Yes, into the top we are five? breaking into the top five, and coming at number five, it's a sort of a newer song, probably in the last uh, eight to ten years, uh, maybe even less than that, but. It's one of these songs that kind of reinvigorated my love for wrestling, and that's Finn Balor's NXT original, you know, his his fucking theme song. Yeah. Like, that song is so fucking sick, along with the entrance, like the OG entrance when he was still fucking cool, and not that I wasn't really watching wrestling at the time, but I, like, dude, once I learned about Prince Devitt, Finn Balor, and all that shit and that theme, dude, that just, when I hear that theme, I just, it gets me... It gives me that that old school Adrian Neville NXT vibes like yeah that just it that 2014 2015 when wrestling was really fucking good with WWE and it dude Finn Balor is he's my definitely my absolute favorite that's in WWE uh, that is in WWE right now Jesus Christ dibbity, dibbity. but this that song just hits it's it's super sick too and CFO they made a lot of fucking bangers, and I don't understand why WWE got rid of them because some of these new themes are really hit and miss compared to them CFO ones. Well, they were never contracted like uh, Jim Johnson was, so they – they're I mean they're still around. It's a possibility that, they, that they'll still pick up some of their stuff. Well, uh, I, did you notice they, they changed a lot of people's CFO themes, a lot of oh, them, wow. except for like the two that I mentioned, Balor and Nakamura. They still have theirs, but most people's huh. themes got changed. Wow. Weird. Huh. What do you know? Yeah, well, for me, weird. my number five, and I had to give it, I, all right, this is another one. It's kind of similar to the Cena thing. Not my favorite guy, but undeniably a legend. Maybe controversial in his statements recently, but undeniably a legend. It's got to be The Undertaker. 
breaking. It has to be in the top five. And so I gave him five. OG uh, OG theme. Uh, I would say the, 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 bam, 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 ministry of darkness. Bam. Yeah. Ministry of the darkness. That, exactly. Dude. Yeah. hundred percent. With, with, with the guitar, with the screaming guitars. Yeah. And I mean, Wee! yeah, there, it's yeah there's almost a, like obviously the there's a theme here with me and the screaming guitars, but like, yeah. that's, that's what I like. So, um, yeah, I mean, Undertaker with the weird talking like lost. Yes. yes. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. It's just gibberish too. Like it's not, it's not even like, I think they were it's trying to say it was tongue, Latin. Daniel. Tongue. Yeah, oh, it's, it's Latin. It's, they are gibberish. speaking Latin. It's, they aren't speaking Latin. They're, it's not, it's not Latin. They're I know it's nothing it's, at it's all. Just, it's, it's gibberish. It's good shit though. It, it is good. It's good stuff. So ministry of darkness, uh, Undertaker, that's my number five, uh, breaking into the top five for the patron saint of the rock block himself. Uh, what you got on number five there, Jesse? My number five top favorite WWF slash E track comes in a guy just about the same size. I got to go with the big show. Well, that you one can't tell me that every time that, that fucking theme didn't go off that everybody in that. I don't care if he was overweight on his way back to OVW or if he was fit and coming back after a hip surgery. Everybody still the put their version, shit right? in the crowd. Nah, the it's a OG miss for me, man. One, yes, but at the same time, any version that starts with it, I'm down. Like, just that, well, like, well, I don't think you made the fucking well, round so the big show. I mean, when you hear that well, for me, it's like, damn it. Like, I'm like, oh, well, all right, but, I, mean, I guess. Here's the thing. Again, not it's my favorite bad guy. show tonight, like, okay? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, much like some of you guys, it's not necessarily my favorite dude, but you can't argue that the theme matched the guy and also yeah. just like the kind of plotting guitar tracks as he fucking makes his way down to the ring and stuff. Yeah. It just made so much fucking dun, sense dun, for dun, the big show. You're ready for something that you'll never know. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. it's like to have to shit in a bathtub hole in Japan because you're fucking seven feet tall. My goodness. They don't call don't him the want... giant for no reason. Speaking of bathtub blumpkins, uh, let's move on over to number four. Wex, what do you got? <laughs> I don't know how this is possibly related to bathroom blumpkins at all time, but number four coming in uh, it has a little bit of advantage is that it's done by one of the sickest bands of all time, Motorhead. I'm talking about Triple H, The Game. Close. I'm close on that one. One of the fucking sickest songs ever, and honestly, any Motorhead's, like, The Game, King of Kings, everything yeah. they've ever done, the Evolution, it's sick. But, dude, when that fucking – when that hits, like, the – and he sprays the shit, dude, it hits on a different level. Yeah. Y'all no, know I what agree. I'm talking about. I agree fully. I'm going to wait on wait on my game. comments on the song because that is further down my list. But okay, I agree. Okay. Uh, it's not much further down, so I, 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 I'm not mad at your placement there. Okay, um, okay. I, I will say, though, it's kind of fitting because I feel like mine is one that, that you have probably a little bit higher up on the list. Um, so for me, it's the glass breaking here. It's, uh, it's Stone Cold at number four. Stone Cold, I mean, that, that theme song. But again, I think the 03 version with the guitar is after, after the Drowning Pool. Like he had the drowning pool thing, which was terrible. It's and disturbed after, is the one he had. It was disturbed. Oh, it, that's, it was, right, that's right. That's right. It was disturbed. like, wait, wasn't there a drowning pool one too? I think there was a drowning pool one too. I think that was a different person. I think that was different. Yeah. Anyway, either way. Yeah. That one, not, not, uh, not so much, but for me, like 
and not the classic one either from like the 98, but like the 03 one with the guitar, like obviously the blaring guitars, you know, the screaming guitars, super into that. Um, and the one he uses now, essentially like, um, um, yeah, I mean, stone cold. I mean, we just saw it happen again at WrestleMania kind of crazy. I mean, if not saving a WrestleMania definitely made it a, a massively noteworthy WrestleMania just for Austin and McMahon all on the same show. But, uh, yeah, it's Stone Cold for me at number four. Jesse, where are you at at number four all time? Number four for me is uh, Wes's pick's brother-in-law, the one and only Mr. Shane McMahon. Here comes the money. That's just another one of those hype-ass motherfucking songs. At the yeah. minute that you kind of hear it kick in, it's just like, here we go. Yep. I don't care if you want to see Shane wrestle or not, which I don't know why you wouldn't. I mean, I really can't remember him putting in a bad performance, to be honest. With you, but every single time that motherfucker hits the stage with that hokey ass looney tunes looking fucking street boxer gimmick that he's got going on it doesn't matter to me it fucking rules and to me that song is absolutely Jordan's perfect for and the character. a baseball jersey yeah yeah exactly but like i don't know it's perfect for the character it gets the crowd hype i think it's a fucking great theme song i agree i would agree i love it i love hearing it i would agree good call wex where you at i think where it was your which is your bronze medal here we your third place now into the top three yeah. The top fucking three, and I'm going to go for my number three, and it might be your number one, Daniel. Okay. It could possibly be your number one, but mine— I, mean, I feel like the world knows what my number one is, but yeah. yeah totally. okay. That's why I left it off my list. <laughs> I mean, I can't leave it off my list because it's still right. one of my favorites, but sure. number fucking three is the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels theme song, sung by, you know, I guess, himself, Shawn Michaels. Yeah. And Sexy Boy, it's— I mean, we've sung it in karaoke before. It's yeah. I'm, I don't want to dive too deep because I know Daniel wants to deep dive on this one, but it's a great song. I think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. I'll it'll even though Shawn Michaels was a forty-something year old man, he was still a sexy boy in my book. Oh, always that dude. He, I mean, he will be hobbling his way to an NXT ring with that song. Cockeyed and bald as fuck, but he's still a sexy <laughs> yeah. boy. Still a heartbreak like, kid, like baby. Popeye by the end of it. Still a heartbreak kid, baby. Yep, straight up, straight up. All right, well, Popeye's where'd you go really at number different. three then since it's clearly not HBK? My, num- uh, my number three? My number three is the mo- is Motorhead. It's 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 Triple yeah. H. It's the game. Um, I mean, Motorhead, I feel like it was one of the few times, too, like uh, where like a legendary band and not just like a popular band at the time. Like, you know, you have Limp Biscuit or whatever, but it's like Roland's on the radio. Like they're a popular band at the yeah. time or like Drowning Pool or like whoever. Like it's a song from that time. P.O.D. Um, yeah, P.O.D., whatever. Like, but Motorhead is like, you know, rock and roll Hall of Fame, like punk, black punk kind of metal-ish, it, heavier it's, hard it's rock band. It's the only band that punkers and metalheads can agree on. Yeah, I agree. I agree fully. I agree fully. And I do have a couple honorable mentions, but we'll get to those towards the end that are kind of similar in that, like, uh, bands that were current, but they kind of went under the radar that people don't really talk about. But for me, uh, for this one, for my number three, my bronze medal, um, it's Triple H's, I mean, the the, the, the lights, um, I mean, his persona with it. Like, I don't, I don't know if anybody else other than The Undertaker really put their entrance music together with the movement and everything so perfectly as well as this song is. I think to me, this is actually the best combination of song down to every single footstep down the ramp to the water, to the lights, the the spotlight. I think everything is just so good with that entrance. Dude, and the mu- has to be that music. And the fucking the Titan drawing game start. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. So good. Yeah, you can't. 
Yeah, you can't. It's 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 undeniable. It's my bronze medal. Jesse, where where are we at? We're getting into the Holy Trinity here. You're number three. Where are you at? My bronze goes to the bad guy himself, Razor Ramon. What a classic fucking theme song. The little like car screech situation and then just that low key fucking like we're here for it. It just set the mood fucking perfectly. It's for a character yeah. at that point in time that was like, yeah, it was a fucking Scarface ripoff. But how many of the mainstream young WWF audience in the new generation had really paid any attention to Scarface? You know what I'm saying? They, most of them that cared about it weren't allowed to see the movie. They didn't know what this was. They just knew it was some like kind of slick ass, you know, to them Spanish, Puerto Rican, Cuban motherfucker that was coming out and kicking ass and eventually got over baby kind of by accident. And yeah. Because he's so song, fucking cool. This song also, if you just listen to it standalone, it's a fucking jam. Yeah. Oh no. It's yeah. Jim Johnston's is like he's a jammer banger, baby. The coolest part to me about the Razor Ramon theme. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but this is my super nerdy songwriter brain. The Razor Ramon theme. If you were to speed it up and make it heavier, it's Stone Cold. Da dum da dum da dum da dum da dum da. Or if you slow it down and just change one of the modes in the phrase, it's bomb, 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 bomb. Ba-na-na-na. It's like it's literally a, like right in the middle, like Latin version of a blend of the rock and Stone Cold's themes mixed together, which makes well, the, sense. Same guy, the same guy. Yeah, like all the songs. But so it, it makes really is like it's it, like it's it's really cool that 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 all three are so iconic. All three written by the same guy in different eras, really. I mean, the rock got his before Stone Cold got his and then or the other way around. Sorry, like it was like Razor and then Stone Cold and then the rock. And it's like. It's all kind of variation. Tempo up a bit, change some instruments. Yeah. I was like, this but you could play works. all three of them back to back in a medley, and it would all fit in key. Like it could all be one long ten minute song, you know, like, which is cool. I think it's, I think that's awesome. But yeah, dude, hats off, Razor Ramon, great choice there, great choice. Yeah, so your silver medal, Wex. Tell me what you got, number two. Silver medal, which I'm surprised this has not popped up on either of you guys' list, unless it's going to be one of your number ones and twos. But number two for me. Coming in, one of the fucking sickest theme songs ever composed by Jim Johnston is The Brood. Damn it. Oh, it's goody. The fucking goody. Brood, it, it's such a good fucking song. Like, just like you said, listening to it just alone, like not even related. It's a, it's a fucking banger. Yeah. And just yeah, really, as a kid, yeah. that's like Attitude Era that time, like Brood Era is like when I started watching. I can remember Gangrel coming wow. out, doing the spit. I can really remember just playing WWF Attitude. And seeing and the shitty, seeing the little flame effect and oh shit. yeah, yeah, the flame yeah. effect, dude. I love that have it. song. It's so good. It. It's not on WWF the music volume four. I think it's on volume three because you got the solo Edge and Christian songs on four. But dude, it's still an all time classic. And Gangrel reunited recently with the Hardys and did a little new brood tag team on the Indies, which fucking sick. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool for sure. I mean, I think I do think that the WWE missed the boat on just not having this beat the brood. Um, with, with the whole judgment day thing. Like, I feel like it'd be just as cool and people would love it. And even the casuals would be fine with it. I mean, you haven't used it in 25 years. Why not? Like, I mean, I don't know. I think it's, a, I think that's what they should have done with it. Bring I don't mind the as a manager. Fuck Do I know? Said, fuck oh, it. Gangrel the manager? Gangrel in as the manager. Fuck it. Absolutely, dude. And not to mention, think about how much more that would have elevated priest or Ripley. Just having well, Gangrel that, there, like, dude, AEW does it. They bring in older guys to be managers. That'd be perfect. Do well, it. Nobody's, nobody's Vince, talking I know about you it. But listen, do it. Uh, Christian's contract is up with AEW this summer, so I would not be surprised if WWE I'd brings him in. Bring him in. I, I, I would adore it. 
I bring think it in the group, great. baby. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Give it to me. Give it to me. But let, let me give you my silver medal here. Um, to me, there's um, if we're talking about WWE, there's one faction theme song that is legendary, um, transcends the business, if you will. And let me break it down for you here. It's definitely Degeneration X is my number two overall greatest themes of all time. Having that be kind of like a co-write, the specific voice, uh, the music video with it. The lead up, like to me, DX in '97 having this theme, they were the only other like act other than the Undertaker where it's like, dum, dum. you know, like it's like the the music led into the big pop of the curtain. Like whereas like other songs just kind of had like it's like you know like, uh, you know, Bret Hart, you have the, yeah, you have like the screaming guitar thing, but it all comes in so fast. You know what I mean? Like like this is like a full on led into the suckets. It was it was great. Yeah, and then they, yeah, then we brought in the suckets and but you better me, get you, used to the way the ball bounce. I see what you got. It measures in ounces. Yeah. That's the price. Yeah, that's the price, little man. Break it down. <laughs> I have since stole like lyrics from that. Like, I uh, like I use little man. Like, uh, I've used it in several songs, but it's because of Degeneration X. Like, I mean, no, no doubt about it. You got to give it. Got to get up. Give it up to the bad guy. It was guys. a Rage Against the Machine rip off a hundred percent, but it worked definitely. And like. R.I.P. to Chris. I can't remember his last name, but he was the, the actual, DX band. Yeah, well, he was the singer. I mean, it, it it was a Jim Johnson song. He just collaborated on the vocals. Like that's Jim Johnson played the music. It's just hey, got a singer. On let's it. just never mention their uh, rendition of uh, the national anthem or America the Beautiful, whatever it was. It fucking Woo! sucked. It was garbage. Terrible. Oh, the guy was a terrible singer, but he's a great screamer. And that was like early, like when like screaming in, in like. Regular rock, rock. I mean, it had been going on a metal for years and years and punk for years and years, but like regular rock having like screaming in it was pretty rare at the time. And 96, 97, I mean, yeah, he killed it. Great job. Degeneration X is my silver medal. Uh, Jesse, where are you at? My number two, right there with Wex, The Brood. Hey, hey. I, it was one of those that was almost made my number one, and uh, my number one's already been taken to just foreshadowing but the um the brood though like something about that song and i'll never forget my i I used to be a theater kid and um my sophomore year in high school we did this pretty epic rendition of richard the third and for this one like pretty intense like ceremonial sequence they were looking for something for the soundtrack and i floated it by the theater director and i was like this is just kind of weird there's no words to it but it might be kind of cool. And she ended up using it, and everybody in the fucking auditorium popped like crazy. It was just one of the funny. And we didn't fucking sell over. Yeah, I mean, everybody, like, all the kids that wanted to say they didn't watch wrestling all fucking went off. And I was oh, like, yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. But it's a very adaptable song. I just always thought that it was, it set the tone perfectly for exactly what they wanted to do. It got two guys over. I mean, Gangrel, not so much, but it got two guys over, like Rover, which are Edge and Christian. And I don't know. It was fucking great. Yeah. World champions. Certainly, did, it certainly didn't hurt, hurt the Hardys to be the new brood too, which is kind of the kiss of death in most other gimmicks. Uh, but it worked out well for them. Granted, it was short lived, but it was still cool. Um, yeah, I agree. So before we get to the number ones, uh, do you have any honorable mentions, Wex? That didn't I have a few honorable that? mentions. Some that v- quite didn't make the list. Uh, a couple of them are your songs: uh, "Real American," "Ministry Taker," but also uh, "Glorious." Bobby Roode that almost made the cut. It's a Solid. good one. Uh, Val Venus. Absolute Solid. banger. Absolute Solid. fucking banger. And then we talked about earlier too cool. And and I don't want to don't want to forget it. D'Lo Brown from the WWF oh, yeah. the Music Volume 4. 
Yeah. You're dealing with the real deal now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love that. It looked like you had an epileptic fit just now. I really hope we put that on TikTok. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> recognize. Which I saw D'Lo Brown live at Impact tapings. I said, "Hey, there's D'Lo Brown. I recognize him." And he said, "You better." Yeah, I love it. I love it. Oh, he did say that. That's yeah. Right. I was I popped for that. I was like, "Wow, that's there. even cooler than like getting an autograph is having that interaction with D'Lo Brown." Oh, good times, man. Good times. So, okay. Uh, so, what was your number one overall? Or should we just all go do honorable mentions first? I think honorable mentions between. The okay. Three. Okay. So my honorable mentions are going to be from those early kind of two thousand mid two thousands. Um, like. I, Kane has an iconic theme, but I don't think the Finger Eleven version with the vocals is talked about enough. I think it's a good version of the song, and I I like liked the song better that way. I also like. Um, no, get out of here. They're a great band. Um, th- another one. Finger is, Eleven. Come on, that's butt rock ninety nine thousand. No, that's not how he sounds at all. You're thinking of like saliva or like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about no Batista here. What I will say though, is our lady peace, uh, Chris Benoit's like last song. That's a great uh, song. Speaking of, did you see a uh, Cody can't interview say, can't with Stone say Chris Cold? Benoit though. I mean, but it's a great song. <laughs> you see Cody's little quick interview with Stone Cold. He's like favorite band. He's like our lady peace. He's like, who's that? He's like, they're a Canadian band. He's like, all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, great I band. immediately thought Benoit in my head. Is yeah. Soon as they I, are a great band yeah. though. Uh, they have a, the record Gravity it came out. I want to say 2002. I adored that record. It's a really good, good like under the radar band. Like because they were Canadian before like the big push happened. Like they're really underrated. Like they're a fantastic band for sure. Shout out to Our Lady Peace. Those are my two. Obviously, Glorious was on there as well. I wanted to to mention that one. And then the X Factor song. I think is kind of like it's funny to me because X Factor sucked, but like it's uh, it's Uncle a funny song. song. It's hilarious. How do you not? It's a hilarious song. It's Yo, a you hilarious deal with song. the X Factor. Yes. It just it goes it's fucking so left funny. field. It's so funny. It's almost like to me, it's almost like it's like the weird if Weird Al did a D, the DX song, it would be <laughs> the X Factor. See what I mean? Like that's why I like have to give her an honorable mention. But I, I know that was not what they were going for. Like they were trying to be serious, but it's so funny that like it brought me enough joy that like I, I had to put it in my honorable mentions. You know, X-Pac tells a story that at one point in time, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers was courted to make the X-Factor theme song. And somebody said no, because they were really hooked on hanging out with Uncle Cracker because there was like a buddy or something. And so oh. they went with that instead. <laughs> it's, it's that whole Kid Rock connection because he was, you know, like, I see where they were going. But like, dude, it, it ain't it. It didn't hit. Well, oh, I got three, uh, three honorable mentions on mine. One of them is kind of a twofer. I would say both of Eddie Guerrero's themes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's Latino Heat, obviously, which is just fucking great. I mean, that from from his minor stint in WWE on all the way up until his top of the mountain, it served him very well. But, man, Los Guerreros, the light sheet steel, like I, that was a oh, yeah. fucking great theme song. Oh, fantastic theme song. No doubt about it. I also have to give uh, one more old school one to Mr. Jake the Snake Roberts. I always really – Oh, yeah. I used to tee off when that theme went up, man. I fucking loved Banger. it. And then uh, Cactus Jack. Great song. That fucking entrance riff to it or whatever, that whole thing. It was perfect for the aesthetic. It was perfect for what Mick was representing in that character. Uh, I got to give at least an honorable mention to that one. All right. So I guess here we are coming in at our gold medal number one. And you guys obviously know what it is for me. It's fucking goddamn Stone Cold Steve Austin glass shattering. Like, yeah. 
I know it was already on your list, but I don't care. It's my number one, and I can't just change my number one. I can change my, like, three or four, but I can't change my fucking number one. Yeah. And for all the reasons, uh, it's the only song I can play on the guitar. Uh, <laughs> it's just a fucking great song. I mean, it just – when you hear that glass shatter, like, I don't care what you're doing. You're ready you're to high. go fucking – you're going – you want to pound six beers. You want to go whoop somebody's at – you want to jump off of something. You want to get hype. And yeah. I love hype. the song, like – you already went over it, but I can just take back to a little story. When I was in high school, me and my brother, we had you know a CD with a track on it. So we got my mom's car before she like went to work the night before, and we put the CD on, cranked the volume all the way up, and had Stone Cold's glass shattering queued up. So when we got in the car that morning to go to school, she turned the car, and then it just went. <laughs> I died. I'll always remember that. She'll she can still talk about it till this day and. This song transcends everything. Like if I'm in public anywhere at work, I hear glass shatter. I just start going dan like I just immediately start singing the guitar riff because Stone Cold's uh, everywhere. It's like people say Jesus lives in your heart. Stone Cold lives in your heart. All right. Stone Cold can live in your heart. That's fine with me. He lives uh, in my heart 24-7. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, I feel like if you've listened to the show for going on almost five years now, by the way, guys. Almost five years we've been doing this. Um, yeah, it's 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 got to be Shawn Michaels. I mean, the sexy boy theme to me is iconic. You can't beat it. I don't think anybody can beat it. I think he's the greatest of all time, and I think that uh, the song helped get him over to an extent. I think his entrances uh, – I mean, if you think about all the legendary entrances and outfits and moments, I don't think that they're the same without hearing that music queued up. You know what I mean? Um, it, it fits the character perfectly, and it's spread over – three decades, which is insane. And he's a lot of guys have, cha- I mean, guys, guys that are, that are current now that will be legends like Roman Reigns, like Seth Rollins, they've all changed their songs and Sean never really had to do that. Um, uh, another honorable mention that I remiss not bringing up here is, is Bret Hart's theme. Um, I, I have to throw that out there too, because that kind of like that rivalry, that WrestleMania, that Iron Man match, all of that is like, is the reason why, like, it's not necessarily the reason why I'm a wrestling fan, but it's the reason why I'm a wrestling nerd and I'm literally sitting here in front of you guys, uh, like, on, you know, a Thursday night on a Skype talking about pro wrestling is because of that situation. So, Sean, the the Brett Sean feud, but specifically that, that you know, the, the the Sexy Boy song, the fact that he sang it, too, and I was going to be a musician and a wrestler, and that was my goal, and then he was just the greatest of all time. So, like, for me, um, yeah. Can't beat Sean. Jesse, where are you at? Your number one greatest WWE, WWF theme of all time. Now I feel like a cop-out because for the large part, I've kind of avoided having the same songs as everybody else. I think I've only had two so far. This one, it just, it is what it is for me. It was a time. D-Generation X, man. I, oh, wow. It's your number one. That's awesome. Hey, I, I can I can feel, I can vibe with that. I can see yeah, that. I mean, it goes, it, it's the entire package, really, when you think about it. I mean, yeah. just the way that it came together, uh, the faction coming together so organically and kind of like seeing Sean's slow, edgy, snotty fucking turn. And as, once they finally hit that name and hit that music, just that entrance video package and the way that that was like, there's live footage spliced in, tape footage spliced in. It almost reminds yeah. me of like the opening of the show itself. With all that riot, like, you know, helicopter footage of the opening of Raw and all that stuff. And it was almost like they were not not to take anything from NWO, but it was almost like they were taking over the broadcast at that time. Every time the song came on and you knew that it was a money segment every single fucking time. And like yeah. and that even extends to after Sean left. I mean, it, it, for the first yeah. eight, nine months of DX post Sean, 
it was still important every single time you heard that little baseline hit. And yeah, to me, I don't know. That was just one of those things that I look forward to, like sitting Indian style, eating fucking pasta on a Monday night. That was like what I was waiting on. Yeah, dude, so. definitely. Definitely. I the video agree. games too. It was, it, it always connected and it's just, it, it hits how many, who did not get in trouble at school for doing suckets? Oh, I did all the time. So, and I was in the eighth grade. It was 1998. I went to two rivers middle school and they let us do student announcements on the, uh, and so like, uh, if you were like, if you got a home, like you get, you and a partner would do the, the morning announcements and you were in the eighth grade. Mm-hmm. So like every year, like, or every day or every, yeah, every day was a different person. So you would know, like, for example, if you're, if it was you and your buddy's day to do morning announcements, you would find out a week before. So like, if, if you were going to do it on a Wednesday, you'd find out the Wednesday before, Hey, next Wednesday, you're the ones you guys are doing the morning announcements. So, and they would always let you get like a sign, a signing off line. <laughs> so like. I had this guy, Dustin Sapp, who we were just kind of friends, not really, but like we were Sapp, Schaefer, like we got pinned to do like the, the morning announcements and he was luckily a massive wrestling fan. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do the two. I was like, I'm going to say the two words for you. And he's gonna be like, I'll do it. I'll say suck it. And he did. And it was amazing. And we definitely got in massive trouble. We both got ISS for three days, but it was, uh, it was super fun and totally worth it. And it was legendary. And, uh, I, I mean, at least in eighth that, grade, it was. That's pretty fucking sick. Because when I was in tenth grade, I for some reason got voted to win a citizenship award. And when I went up on stage to get the award, I just started doing suckets. Like I was just like start doing it. I got at least three fourths of the whole school to start doing it too. Like yeah, because uh, you know everyone loves wrestling. I mean, yeah. But this was like this was oh seven. This was the second run of DX. The PG version. I mean, it was when like HBK the, the, would just like come down here. He's just like, like the, glow, the glow stick version. The, yeah, yeah, glow, the glow stick, stick version. version. I, I was doing full on Scott Hall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, good crotch chops, like not yeah. even the X. And the whole crowd started doing it, and I got suspended for that. So, I mean, DX has really got us into a lot of trouble over the years. I love it. Thank you. Thank you, DX. Got to give a, a big shout out to Oh, You Didn't Know. Uh, definitely a massive song as well. Even though it was like independent of Degeneration X for some reason. For for obvious reasons, I should say, I wrapped them kind of all together in my mind. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the, song, the song was fine. The, that was all fucking Road Dog. The song oh, was yeah. actually just generic as fuck. It was all Road Dog and Billy Gunn. That's yeah, ninety percent Road Dog, ten percent Billy Gunn. Yeah. Then uh, who can forget with my baby tonight? Oh, uh, yeah, that's 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 a whole different genre of non-theme song WWE wrestling music that we could even get to, like the. The sometimes I drink a little beer, sometimes oh God, I yeah. kick a little ass. That stone, like they, they have all those random songs that weren't themes, but they were integral parts of the show. We could do, yeah. possibly visit that in the future. Oh, that tell me a lie after uh, Sean <laughs> forgot his smile. Exactly, then, uh, all them songs. Yeah, man, we could be here for hours and hours just talking about WWE and WWF uh, theme songs, but we have covered our top 10 of all time. We've got some, we snuck in our honorable mentions there, talked about all the things we wanted to talk about. We'll see you guys on the flip side. And we are back. What an episode, dude. Our top 10 favorite WWE, WWF theme songs of all time. I had a hell of a time doing it. It was really, really fun. Um, Wex, man, how you feeling? How'd you feel about the show? Pretty good. A uh, lot of unexpected uh, same songs we had, and some of the honorable mentions like were on your list, not on my list. You know, it was pretty good. I like to see that, and we all kind of have that same like feeling and sentiment for like most of those big bangers. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it it just shows you how uh, how kind of cross pollinated kind of rock music, hip hop, wrestling, 
Um, just music in general and wrestling are really, and I think it's pretty awesome. Uh, Jesse, how'd you feel about the show, man? It's a, it's, it's nice to be able to call an audible and, and, and hit a home run. I think, you know, absolutely, man. I mean, I think it's something that everybody has their opinions on and it, it's nice to see even between the three of us, like, yeah, there were a couple of the same notes, but for the most part, I don't know. It seemed pretty all over the place a little bit. There's a little bit more new, new, new school. There's a little bit more mid new school. And then I obviously was going like straight up fucking eighties, early nineties for the most part. Oh, gee. <laughs> yeah. I loved it though. I loved it, man. I had a really, really good time. And I think that Jesse, you had a, a, a trivia question for the week this week. didn't I you? do. And it ties into music as well. And what I oh. want to know, and I'm, I'm going to name this most specifically to the Nintendo 64 era of video games. Okay. 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 What was your default theme song for your creator wrestler in let's say either WWF WrestleMania 2000 or WWF no mercy on Nintendo 64. Ooh. Okay, so I know that one of those had like generic songs that you could choose from, like Alt One, Alt Two, Alt Three, like or whatever. But I know that one of them didn't. Like one of them, you just had to use whatever wrestler was on there. And I, I think it was, I think it was WrestleMania 2000 where it didn't have alternative songs. Yeah, you just had I think to use. That, I mean, that they would add it later. I'm almost positive that I used Kyan Ties. I'm Dude, almost positive that was my one. That is a good I think one. that was mine. Wex, what about you? Uh, one song that I would always use a lot was uh, the classic Hulk Hogan Real American, but it was uh, used actually for the Briscoes. Uh, well, Gerald Briscoe and uh, Pat Patterson instead. And I would also use Chris Benoit's theme. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Classic. It was classic. What about you, Jesse? Where were you at on it? I was a big on WrestleMania 2000. I was a big fan of the OG Too Cool theme. The uh, like the oh the yeah. Near, 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 that near, 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 yeah, it's not when they were OG thugs. This is when they came up from the south. This is when it was still and they were too much in the South and they became too cool when they got. Oh like, yeah. Oh, too, too much. much when it was. Yeah, it was, uh, it wasn't too sexy. It, it wasn't too set. It was it too. It was, sexy. it was too sexy. Brian too sexy. Brian too sexy. And then too, and too hot, hot Scott, Taylor. Scott Taylor. Yeah. yeah. That, that, had that music gear. Was a banger. And then I also really loved the, um, the corporate ministry theme song. That was cool too. Yeah. It had a like, really weird. It was the no chance thing, but it had this sweepy, like rising guitar fucking part in it. Well, it was like it was it was like the uh, I thought it was like the no chance like beat with like the Undertaker guitars. Pretty much is what it was. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, that's that's sick. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, man, what a hell of a show we had today, though. I am super hyped about it. Next week, we're getting back to our regular scheduled programs. Um, I believe that it's a Jesse and Wex uh, takeover on that one. Double 97, baby. It's an all 97 show. I will be watching these shows just because I'm such a mark for 97. I'm kind of sad that I'm not on this show. But um, it's going to be awesome. Um, it's going to be WWF's In Your House, A Cold Day in Hell, 1997, versus WCW Slamboree, 97. How hype are you guys to go a little WWF versus WCW, the height of the Monday Night Wars, the height of WCW winning the Monday Night Wars, by the way? Uh, Jesse, how you feeling about it, man? Man, I cannot fucking wait. Obviously, we all are huge fans of 97. And kind of uh, Daniel and I are right around the same age range, but it's uh, Wes is always great to hear your feedback from 97 just because of the age difference and just like where we were as wrestling fans during that time. Yeah. But 
I was glued to the fucking TV swapping between Nitro and Raw every week. And this is like the height of my like teenage wrestling fandom for sure. So I can't wait. Yeah, 97 was more sporadic for me. It was when I was really first getting into wrestling and being able to watch it all the time. But I'm loving going back and watching all these WCW storylines. And of course, I've, you know, when we first got the network, I went back and watched all this shit. But it's really fun to revisit. And 97, yeah, it's just like it's right on the cusp of when I really got hardcore back into wrestling. But I really enjoy all the shit, especially the NWO. I am super excited about it. I will definitely be listening to that one uh, with bated breath. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what you guys put together there. Uh, two weeks out, we're doing AEW's double or nothing versus GCW's downward spiral. And that's a me and Wex show, uh, mm-hmm. which we haven't done a, 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 a two twos are on that. Well, we did, we did the backlash one, uh, but by that time we'll have had like three weeks in advance. So it's going to be, it's, I mean, I'm excited, man. It's going to be, it's going to be a good one. Getting some AEW in there. Um, I know AEW is a hot topic, so um, I am putting Jesse on the uh, the New Japan AEW crossover show. So that one's going to be coming in June. Uh, but me and uh, so we'll give Jesse a much needed a week off uh, in two weeks. And then keep in mind, guys, we're going all the way up till SummerSlam, um, and then after SummerSlam, it's going to be season five. It'll be new graphics, new music, um, and probably a format change. I mean. We're watching lots of wrestling. We're having a really good time. But honestly, I had a really good time doing this, like making lists again. Um, Also, too, you know, one of the staples for the first two and a half seasons was the pop culture episodes that me and Cass used to do. So we're definitely going to bring those back, start talking about some video games, start talking about some just other things going on in in life, Um, music. um, Some of them will be lighthearted and just entertainment. And, you know, hey, some of them might be actual general discussions about the state of the world and how we personally feel about um, you know, problems and, and life. And, you know, I feel like sometimes that, you know, you, you, you want to have these podcasts to escape from it, but at the same time, sometimes I, I kind of wish that I knew what, you know, like my favorite sportscasters thought about what was going on in Ukraine or, you know, like the, the things that, uh, and, and honestly, we, we will listen to the, the feedback of, of the crowd too. If you have no desire to hear that, please tweet at us and let us know. Um, but I think it'll be fun episodes. It'll be a way to kind of switch it up a little bit and everything's going to come back to wrestling as it always does. Uh, the name of the show will stay kayfabe comparisons. Uh, the show will definitely continue to do the traditional comparison in some form, at least once a month with an old school show versus a new school show. Um, it's just a lot of wrestling to consume. There's a lots of, of current stuff coming out too. And we're, I feel like we're missing out on some of it because we're watching so much old stuff and we're, we're cramming in to do these shows and, I just want to make sure that we're bringing the best possible product to you guys. I know that Jesse and Wex want the same as well. Uh, Baker's Dozen will a thousand percent be returning. We have all love getting uh, the spotlight on these indie guys that we believe in. And I feel like every single person that's been on the show um, just continues to do awesome things. So, yeah, man, just keep up with the show. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Season five is on the horizon. You can always find the show at kfabe.com on your traditional socials. We're a kfabe.com pod on TikTok and then just kfabe comparisons on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five star review. Any kind of comment you can leave. Awesome trash, whatever you want to leave. Um, maybe not so much the last one, but any kind of comment you want to leave on our, uh, actual podcast feed would be awesome. It really helps out the show so, so much. You can always find me at Daniel Daybreak, uh, pretty much everywhere. Uh, Jesse, where can folks find you, man? Give them the script. You can find me at Jesse Baker Nash at Instagram and Twitter and just regular old Jesse Baker on Facebook. You can also find me at Southern Underground Pro at Basement East on June 19th at Impact Slammiversary directly afterward on the same day. And then of course... 
Southern Underground Pro, Eastside Bowl, July 29th, one night before SummerSlam, 5 p.m. door, 6 p.m. bell, before GCW. Let's fucking rock it. Let's go, man. I'm hype. Wex, where can folks find you? You can always find your boy Wex at Wex Breaking the Loss on all of your social medias, and it's just a Wex Lee over there on the Facebook trying to lay low a little bit of as I told you. But I want to say, engaged on TikTok, I'm going to be doing more TikTok stuff this week. I want you to get on there and talk to me. I like talking to all the fans about your opinions on it. What do you think about the roller coaster, Cody Rhodes? And what do you think about uh, Daniel's take on his top 10 on the music? You know, you got to let me know what you think, and I'll get back with you. We want some more engagement, so holler at us on there. Yeah, soon to be on Truth Social as well. Just kidding, we'll never be on that piece of shit. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for joining us this guy, this 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 week, guys. And I uh, will see you next week. We're out. Peace. Hold on. Uh-huh.